It's the Eric Anders Lang Podcast. That's pretty close, Michael. It's the Eric Anders Lang Show. It's the Eric Anders Lang Show. We're live, by the way. Play the intro. Zero editing. The intro is going now, probably. Um, Michael Williams, in an elevator, someone says, well, first of all, they're going to see you in an elevator, and they're going to notice that you're a gentleman. But what, because I would, that's what, how I would describe you. But how do you describe yourself in your sort of elevator pitch? Uh, I think the idea of being a gentleman is is a, is not a bad it's not a bad way to describe someone. Um, I think for me, I, you know, what I, I'm sort of you know I'm I'm genuinely curious about the world. But what what I do is I basically I'm into stories and history and tradition and all these sort of things and what makes what goes into the things that we use or do every day, like what, what we see. So my sort of career and life has been guided a little bit by that where, you know, I started this website in 2007 called a continuous lean that on a whim became this really popular menswear blog. And so I was like one of the first wave of the blogger universe. Right. So I was like a pre influencer, if you will. If you uh, are a fan of the show, you may have heard and you may have been either looking forward to or learned a lot about watches by listening to the Ben Clymer podcast. Uh, a little behind the scenes here. Michael, you're to thank for that. I think you introduced me to Ben a year cool. prior to him and I actually meeting. <laughs> and you and I are currently in uh, Mexico. Yeah. We, you know, we had to come to international waters to do this, which, you know, just, you know, <laughs> laws you know there's a lot of a lot of restrictions on you, you and i getting together in a room and having a conversation but it's nice that we were able to make it work you know yeah the great thing is being down here we can talk about anything <laughs> so there's really no embargo um no but we both live in los angeles and we yep. have a lot of friends in common garrett light yep. um you know being one of them who i uh spend a lot of time with because we share his office downtown uh the brilliant eyewear uh optician if you will <laughs> And then Corey Heenan, who's working here at this golf course, Costa Palmas. And, uh, yeah, you know, you we, got, there's a lot of I feel like you're naturally sort of my world is largely dominated by menswear and sort of all the things associated with that. And they go along with that. And, and then I'm interested personally in golf and do a little bit of work in the space, write a little bit about golf. But so I'm sort of coming at you from this menswear world where and I'm curious about golf. You're big into golf, curious a little bit about sort of men's clothing and style and all that stuff. And you have you have great style and you sort of naturally, you know, there's like a natural sort of overlap. And, you know, I think it's cool. We have a lot of friends in common and and, you know, I think like we have different interests, but then a lot of shared interests. So it's it's cool to sit down and, and talk to you about it and sort of talk about golf and, you know. You, uh, I, I do want to get into the menswear stuff and into the future of what uh, what the future holds for ACL, a continuous lean. And, uh, you know, we I think our first interaction was around this uh, kind of, for me, it was a revolutionary experience of the pop-up shop you did in L.A., which was sort of a, it was like what a golf store could be if golf was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think golf is cool, and it's, it's, you know, it's like what you want it to be, and um, you know, I think there's other sports like surfing that are inherently just a lot sort of more naturally cooler than golf. Um, to me, it's like what, whatever makes people happy and whatever in golf, the, the, if riding in a cart, smoking a cigar, like that's your deal, playing at fancy clubs or playing at munis, whatever the whatever you're into is and it makes you happy. That's the goal. Right. So no, I, I would never say and I don't think anyone should ever say, you know, if, if you're only into purish stuff then that's bullshit and like you're lame. Like I, I just reject that whole thing as a concept in the same way that if someone dresses a certain way, 
and maybe it's not my style, I would never shit on them for doing that and expressing themselves that way because whatever they do to make themselves happy is is good by me. Like I'm 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 going to support that, right? You brought up uh, we we were having a discussion this morning at breakfast. We're, we're down here with a wonderful crew. Um, all star crew. I'm like an interloper in an all star crew, <laughs> but no, I'll take no, it. I'll take it. It's good to be the weakest link, and it you know your presence is wonderfully accepted. I mean, you flew down for one day, uh, you know, and I think we're all very excited to have you, um, Christian Hafer, Ashley Mayo, Jeff Blind, myself, and you make up the six. Some here and Corey. But, and Corey, I forgot about Corey. Corey, the host, the host with the most. I was like, that doesn't sound like six. That's only five. Um, I can't blame jet lag. So, uh, but we were talking this morning about rules on a golf course and how this property itself, this is an RTJ course, Four Seasons, resort, hotel property, some, some real estate situations. And the course is sort of finding its identity. And we were talking about what's the course going to be defined as? Is it going to be like a you know, a, a tank top wearing place and a, and a this kind of place. And, and you brought up what I had heard. I, I hadn't really heard it before, but it, I, I want you to talk about it a little bit. It's my favorite rule in golf, kind of. Yeah. So, you know, it's a really fancy place, but I've had the privilege of going out to Scottsdale National a couple of times with PXG and Bob Parsons. And, um, you know, the Scottsdale National now is like sort of the – I don't want to say like fanciest, but like sort of highest end golf course, certainly in Phoenix, maybe, maybe people would get mad if I said that, but it seems to me that like, it's like the most high end sort of most private spot in, in Phoenix and maybe on the West coast. Right. And the rule there is like, you can pretty much do whatever you want. The rule there is just don't, don't impede the fun of another member by what you're doing. And that's, and that just makes it really simple. It's like, there's enough restriction there that like, it's kind of like use common sense, you know, it's like your parents saying, you're Eric, you're going out drinking, just use common sense, you know, and, and that'll be okay. And and I feel like that's a lot in a lot of places, like things have been so constrained because everyone's expecting everyone to just behave with no manners and like be insane. And I don't really feel like that sort of fits a lot of places. There's probably places that make sense, but you know, if it can just be simple like that, like a, this is Costa Palmas is pretty high-end property and, and fancy place. And I don't, me personally, I don't feel like it, if I was out here staying at the Four Seasons, I just want to be able to do what I want to do and be happy about it, you know? And I feel like, they'll, I'm sure it'll end up being that way, but I feel like a lot of places, like, that's how it should be. It's like, just, you know, have fun, don't mess up anyone else's day, and, like, that's it, you know? Collared shirt, be damned. We, uh, we <laughs> yeah, we've had some experiences with, traditional golf courses where it's that's not the rule and it's kind of like i don't i don't know i mean we we can we can just leave that i I like i like the you know i think if if you want to join a club and it's like say you want to join a really sort of exclusive private club and there's a lot of rules and you know what you're getting into and and you like it because it keeps people everyone sort of on the same page in terms of how they act and what you expect and what you what you have to experience if that's like your your thing like good you know and sometimes i like it like you go to marion and they're like no cover under cover you can't wear your hat under the awning you know and you're a fool if you do it's kind of fun it's like you if you know you're inside it's you know it's like cool like but i don't know that i want to live that every day well the, the the thing that strikes me as odd about that is that the no cover that's a military thing you're familiar with that right i mean that's not a that's not a thing about being a member of a private club that started off as a military yeah. Uh, thing. Yeah. 
I don't know where it come where where like how where that comes from there or how it gets adopted, but you know, I there's a lot of times like you go up to Rustic Canyon a lot. Anyone in LA like plays Rustic and they like golf and like good design, you know they'll go out to Rustic Canyon and, and that's like a pretty low key place, you oh, yeah. know, and you like, you get a breakfast burrito and you know, that that's a great vibe too. And that's very different from a lot of places, but you know, I, I like sort of each one of those things on a different day. Yeah. You know, well you, I think the reason why I think of you as a gentleman is because you make it kind of cool for me to be into that because the strangest part that I've realized recently about me and my life and how I've changed over the past couple years is that I actually don't feel comfortable playing golf without a collared shirt, which is a major transformation. And in the beginning I primarily wore t-shirts cause I was playing at a Muni and I was kind of not willing to, like you said, celebrate the individual idiosyncrasies of a certain golf community. Like Marion, like you're mm-hmm. saying. So, but I really like the way you approach it is is the way that you sort of allow everybody to have their own style. But your style is specifically, well, how would you define your style, actually? <laughs> Haphazard. I, I don't know. I think I'm, you know, in, when, I, when I had the site and I was like, I had a moment where I was sort of like an important member of the menswear community, right? Or more important than than maybe now or at at any rate like I was sort of like if I'd meet people I had a lot of really engaged people reading my site and I'd meet them and they'd always kind of be disappointed when they meet me because I'm (laughs) like you know I'm like I'm not what you expected me to be they were way more hardcore into the stuff that I was sort of writing about than I was um but I sort my personal style is like and it it took me a long time to develop and feel comfortable with what I want to wear and how I dress. And so I'm sort of more on the traditional side, right, than anything. And I, I like I like American-made stuff. I like classic things. I like brands with a story. I'm also, like, very inside the clothing business. So I know who the assholes are, and I know who the good people are. And As far as brands themselves. Just the brands, like how they do business. I know how they do business, how they treat their stores. I know how they treat their people. I know who's awesome and like right. worthy of supporting. And, you know, sometimes it's like if, you know, I, I'm friends with this guy who has this little cashmere company called Jaya and he's like the smallest brand in the world and he does everything and he like grinds and fights really hard to like build this brand. And I'm like, I want to support him. I'm like, I'm, I'd rather spend money to help those types of people than to by buying the clothes. Yeah. Like, you know, painful price buying the clothes, like, talking about it you know that those sorts of things then i'd rather do that than be like the cog in a machine of some giant brand that's shitty yeah you know so anyway going back to like my whole personal thing it took me a long time to figure out my what my style was it took me years and like a lot of times you see young people dress crazy i feel like that's part of them figuring out what their style (laughs) is you know and you have to kind of like feel the edges to get to where you feel comfortable and i'm at the point where i just you know on a golf course like I always wear a collared shirt too. I like like to tuck my shirt in. It's just but that my wasn't thing. a jump for you. That you were already. I mean, how many suits did you have? Before? I mean, I, I I've like you know I I I have a lot of tailor clothing. I'm like into tailor yeah. clothing. It's I've been always more casual than that. I like grew up pretty blue collar in a blue collar town, and you know I like grew up next to like a private golf course that I would sneak onto. Right. Really. Yeah. So like I I just grew up in this like working class place and. Like, I just was always fascinated by golf as a kid, you know, since I was a kid and we grew up next to this golf course. And um, 
So I, you know, for me, it's like, I'm kind of an outsider and I've like tried to carry that outsider mentality into like, whenever I'm like at some crazy place and I've, I've been lucky to get on some cool golf courses and get, you know, be invited to some fancy clubs and whatever. And a lot of times I'm like, it's cool that like, I feel like such an outsider here. And I, I never sort of feel like I'm part of that, you know, establishment. So it's cool. Like, but my style has never been like about tailor clothing or, but I'm, I'm really into that stuff. I love that stuff. But, um, I'm just at this point, like I'm very much, I know exactly who I am, what, how, how I feel comfortable, what I want to wear. So I just, you know, I don't, if if there's like a dress code for an event, I don't, I just wear what I want to wear. I don't give a fuck about any of that stuff, you know, like, and I think there's a certain moment in your life where you're just like, I'm me and I know who I am and I'm just going to, if you don't like it, I'm, you know, that's a bummer, but I'm just going to do me and focus on that and be happy, you know? I think that happens for men around a certain age in their 30s. And I've, I'm rel- relieved that it has happened for me. But it took me a minute. And actually, it was, it was post getting into golf. Golf actually did help me understand a little bit about that. I, want to, I, was, I was actually going to ask you about Ohio, where you grew up around uh, Cleveland, you said, right? Yep. So um, tell me a little bit about Cleveland because... You know, I well, first of all, when you were saying that you would sneak into the club, I, my eyes widened because to me that was like a, a an unknown. Like I would not have realized that about Michael Williams because <laughs> you don't have that. You, you've done a good job of, I wouldn't say concealing that, but it seemed to me like you grew up with the Bushes and the Kennedys. I mean, <laughs> and, and that's a compliment, by the way. That's a real yeah, thanks. legit yeah. because you are really fun to be around. And you have great commentary and great ideas and I have great style and great thoughts. So it's interesting to hear that, you know, I, I love Ohio, first of all. So the golf in Ohio is great. Tell me about growing up in Ohio. Yeah, you know, Ohio is a, it's, it's a great I, – I think everyone – you meet a lot of people from Ohio because a lot of people leave and sort of – that's <laughs> – it's, it's true. I mean, you know, I think a lot of it's like they leave because – they, you know, for, they want to get a job or want to do something that sort of you can't do in Ohio. And I think like the economic challenges of Ohio are sort of a, a big part of the identity. And, um, but it's also like, I grew up in this really blue collar town in a place that was sort of interna- or nationally seen as like a little bit of the butt of a joke. And there's, you know, like a lot of history of like the river catching on fire because it's so polluted and just it being the mistake by the lake and this sort of like post-industrial wasteland. Um, And I think, you know, for a lot of people in our sports teams, there's so much misery everywhere. Um, Cleveland Indians were the the subject of a film. Major League, right? Which was filmed in Milwaukee, you know, (laughs) mostly. You didn't even get the money. (laughs) Which is amazing that like they when you look at that film when you go back and watch it you're like it's amazing Major League Baseball like allowed the IP to be used in this movie like right. did someone not read the script about right. what was happening or and they also, they're like oh it's the Indians who cares yeah. <laughs> also the film totally holds up like it's oh yeah it's completely great. accurate it's great it's hilarious <laughs> and yeah we you know I think a lot of those moments I still think about today when you know who are these fucking guys when we look at the <laughs> look at the you know roster preseason roster on some of our sports teams. But so, you know, Cleveland's this like post-industrial place, but it's actually like it's there's such great people there. It's such a welcome welcoming place. It's an easy place to live. It's a great place to grow up. I like can't say enough about it, like how much I like it. And I go back 
And now that private course I grew up on is actually owned by like the Metro Parks, the like Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, like sort oh, of. Cuyahoga. Where did you grow up? Cuyahoga Falls? No, I, I grew up. Cuyahoga Falls sort of in between Cleveland and Akron. Akron. I grew up on the east side of Cleveland. Oh, wow. And so, but I grew up next to this, uh, which w- a long time ago was a private club, but this Donald Ross design called Manikiki. And that course is super, super fun. You like, you you can go play it for $29. It's super chill and like a challenge and it's really fun. And there's so much of, there's so much good golf like that. There's like all these sort of one-time private clubs that have, you know, designed by Donald Ross or by, you know, some notable people that have held up and you can play. And, and then there's great privates. And, you know, we, I think you, you were in, you were in Columbus and we, Dayton last summer. We right? were in Cincinnati and Columbus, and we played. Well, Moraine was the treat of the year for me, as far as unsung, uh, um, you know, uh, hidden gem golf. Yeah. And I mean, it is. It's not a hidden gem to anyone in Ohio, yeah. Moraine, but it's. It, and it's more than a gem, really. If you come across it, it's it's like a treasure. Yeah, that place is really cool. It's you know, it's like it kind of you know, there's um, there's a lot of like if you go to Pittsburgh, there's a lot of like golf courses like that and clubs like that and like the golf we went to pittsburgh this past summer too so i i actually played in we went played the Muirfield, played in pittsburgh so we did a lot of midwest golf last summer where did you play did you play uh in pittsburgh did you play um, played fox chapel, fox chapel and we played oakmont in two days Ooh, yeah that is a, that fun. is a great weekend yeah it was fun it was you know my friend two friends were basically like talking about it at a dinner maybe two years ago and the one guy had moved from New York. He worked in finance, moved to Pittsburgh, and he was talking. You know, we were sort of. I was friends with one of the guys, and he was friends with the other guy. And um, anyway, so he was saying, like, I'm in mean, Pittsburgh. It's actually like relatively small town in terms of everyone. A lot of people know each other, and we could get on Oakmont. And they're like, and Michael, if you want to come, you know, if you're in Pittsburgh, I'm like, if this is happening, let me know. I'll be. I'll make myself in Pittsburgh that weekend, uh, and it just worked out. So it was cool. You, um, you know, from your, from wait, what wait, I... Wait, can we talk, sorry, I'm yes. off. can we talk about Mirrorfield? Please. You played Mirrorfield last summer? Mirrorfield Village. Yeah. Yeah. How hard is that golf course? Um, it's, it's sneaky. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah, I we, was, I was shocked by just how hard it was. We didn't, uh, play it probably in the way you did. I think we had like two hours of sunlight and um, we had just gotten off a plane, but, um, you you seem to do a really good job of bringing the clubs with you wherever you go. Is that true? Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I think um, I I'm not you know I'm not like intimidated by like traveling with your golf clubs or whatever. You know, just you kind of you kind of have to make it happen. And you know, I have I have a two year old, and we we're having another baby. It's not you know it's not it's not easy for me to sort of get those chances, but you know, a couple times a year, I'll sneak one of those trips in. Or if I'm going to someplace for business, like I'll try to find a morning to play and I'll bring my clubs and, you know, you just kind of, that's, you know, if you're into that, that's kind of what you do. You know, how do you find a course typically if you're in a place where you don't know anybody? Sometimes it's, you know, I'm a little crazy about it because if I don't play a lot and I don't always have the opportunity, right. I don't want to waste it on something sort of not memorable or not interesting or, Um, you know, it's like you see stuff on Instagram. I like save a lot of stuff. So I'll like have a collection. Um, there's like, Oh really? You have like a, you have like the, uh, the tag. What is it? The the little thing on the right? You you can save, you can save save to a collection and then I'll, I'll just basically save stuff by like 
places in the US or places in the UK or Whoa. places wherever. All golf courses. Yeah, and I do this with a lot of stuff. I'll do it with hotels or like oh, you know, cool. pizza places or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, I'm in New York. I'm like, what were the like three pizza places I saw on Instagram that like I want to go to? So now I need to ask a follow-up question, just a slight interruption. What what Instagram accounts are you using to tell you about those places? Oh, just like I don't know, it's like discovery stuff or Oh, like you go just, on discovery. Just like stuff you see in the discovery page or, Interesting. or people you're following. I've got to start following more food, restaurant, hotel pages because my discovery page is just watches and golf. Yeah. That's all it is. I need to I need to branch out so that the algorithm can help me better. Yeah. It, you can tell it to like, oh, you know, to sort of show me less of this stuff. Oh. Like one of the I try on one. I have a couple of different accounts, but one of one of the accounts like I try not to follow any golf stuff. So I don't because I, I feel like golf just overwhelms you well know, and the like, media is very redundant the, the golf stories are reposted 12 times in a day and it's the same story yeah it's like you know it's like charlie charlie woods is swing and then people are like did you see charlie, charlie woods is swinging yeah, yeah i saw it. i can't stop seeing did it. you see joaquin neiman's yeah. stinger with the driver i saw it you know <laughs> yeah everyone saw it like that's we're all looking at our phone for four hours a day <laughs> that's literally the last three weeks yeah that's all that's happened um, I mean, I guess we could dig into golf media. Do you want to comment on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think a lot of times it's not a knock. Like I think, you know, everyone, it's, it's sort of my philosophy on, on golf in general or on dressing or whatever. It's like, whatever makes people happy. If like you're into no laying up, like that's your vibe or bar stool. Like, and you know, there's certain moments I find that stuff funny and interesting. And then there's certain times I'm like, oh, it's like not really what I want. It's sometimes it can be like a little empty calories. Um, but that's sort of social media in general. Um, yeah, it, and it's, it is, it is hard to find value in social media. Totally. I, I think it's a lot of times it's a function of like the pace of things. It becomes like golf world and, and a lot of, you know, NBA is kind of like this where it's like a little bit of an echo chamber. Um, there's like certain voices out there that are really interesting. Like Jeff Shackelford, I think is I'm, I'm friends with Jeff, but I also like, I kind of only know him cause I was a fan and we got to, we're sort of, you know, some people in common. And, and I think Jeff has, he's just, he's not afraid to like express his actual opinions and, and he's sort of a contrarian in a lot of ways. And, and I like it. And there's, but there's certain things I think in, in a lot of the golf media that it just becomes content and it's not maybe as like thoughtful as it could be. Um, but that might just be my, you know, personal preferences for what I want. I, I, I follow the tour, but I really don't want to digest like a lot of that shit. I just don't care about. It's relatively meaningless and it's, and it's, and the worst thing that I could imagine talking about on a Thursday is who's going to win on Sunday. Yeah. Cause it's like, I could think of so many other things that I could predict better. Like yeah. the weather it's without any apps. It's also hard to predict who's going to win a golf tournament yeah. in, in general. Like, I don't know. It's, it's so rare that like, you know, it's they, a lot of these guys only win a few times a year and it's, it's just really hard to, it's at hard the to most, predict. And, yeah. At the most too spicy. I mean, you know, these guys are going for it last week. They haven't won in years. Yeah. Um, what, uh, Jeff Shackelford, if those of you are listening, if you're, not familiar with Jeff. He was uh, he was on the podcast as well, and we. Oh played, yeah, you guys went to that little, yeah. What's it called? Sorry. Uh, we played uh, Arm and Hammer, this little pitch and putt in a small sandwich of land in between some roads over there in nine hundred two one zero, and we had a great time. 
Um, and I love Jeff. I think he's great. I have recently heard um, him, you know, I mean, he, he's, I guess I want to talk to you, Michael, because you, um, you know, you're, you're in, you seem to be into technology a little bit as far as golf's concerned. Yes sure. or no? Sure. Yeah. Um, Jeff's very into the rollback alliance. So he, so Jeff, if you're not familiar with that term, it means that he believes that the golf ball has progressed to a degree that is making golf courses basically unsustainable for professional level golf. I am not an activist, so I'm not trying to change some sea change in the game of golf, but he does have a point and I'm beginning to see it. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I, I don't agree with, I think Jeff is like a little, <laughs> I would say this to Jeff's face. I think Jeff's like a little extreme and he sort of sees the world in a very sort of binary black and white way. I think that's my take on him. I might be wrong with that, but so I think in a lot of ways, like he's like, it has to be this or it, it can't be this. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but with the, with the ball, I think I understand why they like whoever the, the tour or USGA or whoever sort of in charge of this stuff. I don't really know, but I understand why they want the ball to be a certain way. And golf is sort of a weird game and sport because there's this amateur, there's this amateur layer that's sort of playing in the same rules and in the same sort of sandbox as the pros, which is weird. Like, it's not like people go play baseball and they have to follow like all the exact rules that like major league baseball has. Right. Which is, would be crazy. You know, it's very unique to me. I think like they should just have an amateur ball and the pros should play a, a ball that goes slightly less as far, not as far. And that would sort of maintain the integrity of a lot of the golf courses the way they're set up, right? Unless they're like designed for a ball that's modern, I don't feel like they play to like the intent that they were designed, right? I like that idea. Two balls. Yeah, and just like have a pro ball and and then amateurs because they want amateurs to be able to hit the ball whatever. You, you know? know, in football there's two balls, there's an NCAA ball and there's an NFL ball. Yeah. So just make a and the the NCAA ball is easier to hold and catch and throw. Perfect. See, we solved the problem. We solved it. Just Get it done. I will call up Vice and uh, <laughs> maybe maybe that's we'll Vice, no. maybe we'll get them on it. I mean, but yeah, that's that's. Um, have you been to the Vice? Vice, sorry. Have you been to the factory? H the the factory is in Taiwan, and I have not. You need to go. I need to. Have you been? No. Oh, I've been to like, a ball been? factory though. It's like it's sort of like a pharmaceutical. It's mm. like not many people there, and it's all about like the and this is just my sort of. You know, I, I'm not an engineer, but it seems like it's like all about the maintaining like the exact um, specifications and keeping everything super, super consistent. So it's like every ball is exactly the same. Like yeah. that seems like it's the main goal. Well, there is a um, there is a process that pros will typically do to their balls where they will take a um, a. Um, bowl and i believe they put oil in it it could be water but i'm pretty sure it's oil and they take their golf ball and they float it and they're basically they're it's not called puring but i, I think it's called puring it's it's something like that where they basically measure they try to measure the weight of the ball to make sure that it's perfectly in the center oh funny and then that'll help you and then you draw a line on that thing and then that's how you know that it's going to putt because sometimes balls are not they're actually w w incorrectly weighted mm-hmm 
So a premium ball is more likely to, to fit, but a lot of pros will typically, I, I can't, I, you know what? Let's go to a quick break. I'm going to find this out. We're at uh, we're at a good break time now. Everybody, be right back. All right, everybody, got a new podcast ad read for you this week from a clothing brand. I know a lot of you ask me questions about clothing. Well, I've got some answers here. I just started wearing this new brand of super soft performance polos made by Devereux, D-E-V-E-R-E-U-X. That's some other, I don't know what country spelling that is, but it's pro- it's cool, whatever it is. I like that country. These polos have been awesome. They travel well, they look great, and are damn comfortable. And I'm they really, they, they, I love them. I'm, I, they really are. If you guys are looking for new polos to add to your rotation, I highly recommend giving these Devereaux polos a shot. Check them out at dvrxthreads.com and use my name, Eric, E-R-I-K, at checkout to get 20% off your first order. Also, the pants are pretty dope. The polos are dope. Also, they've got this half zip that's pretty dope. Uh, a lot of different patterns. I love the solids. It's good stuff. Check it out. Again, use my name, Eric, E-R-I-K, at checkout to get 20% off your first order. Folks, you've heard me talk about it, and I'm not talking about... Never mind. I'm talking about Precision Pro. You've heard me talk about them. I got a chance to meet these guys. I went out to Cincinnati. Spent the... I spent four years with them in one week. It was incredible. Anyway, uh, what's the main thing that golfers have in their bag that they're going to use most during a round? I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a putter. I'm not talking about your favorite iron. I'm not talking about your right arm to flag the beverage cart. I'm talking about your rangefinder. All golfers need a rangefinder that they can trust to know the precise distance in their target for nearly every shot, whether you're on the tee box or in the fairway. That's true. I've Honestly, I've thought about using it for putting just so I can be super accurate because putting is obviously lagging a little bit. Getting a phone call, folks. Um, anyway, I carry the NX9 HD rangefinder by Precision Pro Golf. It's easy to use, incredibly fast, and most importantly, it gives me the exact yardage to my target so I can choose the right club and swing with confidence. I actually love pulling it out. People are like, what is that? I'm like, it's Precision Pro. Get down with the green and blue, my guy. Green and gray, I mean. Um, Not to mention, Precision Pro offers free battery replacement services for the life of your rangefinder. We all know how annoying it is to run out of batteries, but you get an extra one when you get it, and then you get rangefinder batteries throughout the like I said, life of your rangefinder. So you're not only getting a rangefinder, you're signing up for a lifetime service. So really, it just depends on how long you live. And at that point, that's where the podcast sort of, that's where it just drops off and it's up to you at that point. Live healthy, obviously. Play, don't play golf in lightning. Uh, don't, don't shoot adventures in golf because that, that, we've talked about that with my insurance company and it does decrease my lifespan. But, you know, it increases the benefits and we all have fun. We've all signed up. Me and the crew have all signed. Uh, it's like an NDA for your life. Good news, the NX9 HD rangefinder is on sale for $40 off. Even better, listeners of the podcast can receive an extra $10 off by using the coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K, at checkout. Go to precisionprogolf.com and use the coupon code ERIC at checkout for $50 off the NX9 HD rangefinder today. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right, got a very, very special read from you. One read that fits into three stripes because you know... How much I love the three stripes, and I'm very excited to share something with you. Who knows what that'll be? Some secrets, maybe? Some secrets in the dirt? No. Adidas took their knit game to a whole new level. And honestly, I've actually, I wore these just the other day, and I was pretty comfortable and pretty tethered to the ground. Anyway, um, have you seen the new Tor 360 XT Prime Knit that was just released? 
Um, it's the first waterproof knit that they've ever had. So what you get there is a lot of flexibility around your little old feet or big old feet, depending on what size your foot is, obviously. Although your foot may be big in stature, but not so much in, you know, you can have a big foot, but still have a small size. You know what I mean? Anyway, they come with a one-year waterproof warranty and three fresh new colorways so you can stand out on the course. It's important to stand out. Sometimes if your golf game... No, anyway. Uh, it's built on the XT Traction sole, so you get amazing grip, but it's still lightweight and comfortable. That is true. Anyway, head over to adidas.com slash US slash golf to snag a pair. And follow Adidas Golf on Instagram and Twitter to stay updated on all of their newest releases. Until then, see you out there. It looking fresh. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, we're back, folks. I have a uh, web page up. I'm sure you can find it. It's not called Puring. That's going to confuse people. That's what you do with your shafts. But we're talking about golf balls. So you can basically put them in salt water where they will float. And then um, you will find out that not all the golf balls are balanced properly. Anyway, look at golf ball balancing. Um, and you can check them. And, you know, you will probably still be the same person at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're guaranteed no three putts if you've if you've tested all of your golf balls. It really is a game that drives you crazy. So so you've you've uh, what what is your how do you measure your how do you measure yourself against other golfers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is your what do you, do you do you like to play competitively? You strike me as a guy who's just out there to have fun and enjoy. You know, it's what do you, what what do you, what was the quote? Bobby Jones said, you know, it's like you compete against Mr. Parr and that's it. Right. Um, I, I, I'm not really like into competing, you know, I'm also like late to golf. Right. So I probably, I lived in New York city for 15 years, you know, in basically my twenties and like halfway through my thirties. And, uh, you know, it's hard to play golf. You live in Manhattan. Um, right. and very hard. And so I kind of just, I was like sort of dormant golfer. Right. And so I'm, you know, getting back into it, you know, as I'm, as I'm a little bit older and I live in California, but you know, I feel like, why would I try to compete with anyone in golf? Right. It's, it's fun. It's like, you, there's enough competition with yourself and that's sort of what makes it cool. Um, that seems to define almost a category, right? Because that's one category and I fit into that category. I do sometimes like to play a little game here and there, yeah. but uh, but then there's another category that's like, that's really the only game they want to play. They just want to play against you. Yeah. And how do you, how do you look at that from a sociological standpoint? Because I'm, I also came to golf late, um, so, but, you know, but it, but it, but you're a good golfer, and so am I. You know, you hit some great shots. You have good control over the ball. You're consistent, so you could, you know, easily play and win a match. It's not not the issue. You're talking about some way of in, experiencing the game. It sounds like it's different. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think if you are naturally a gambler or you're very competitive. Um, then you probably don't want to, it's like not worth playing. Wait, we, you know, we, it's not worth playing unless you're super competing with someone. Right. And that's like what it takes for you to be engaged in it. And I know a lot of people like that. And I know a lot of people that they're just super competitive with themselves. Right. And they're like, if they're not playing exactly the, 
game they want, then they're super disappointed in themselves. And I'm wasting my time being out here and whatever. And I'm like, you're supposed to be enjoying yourself. Like <laughs> this is a leisure sport, first of all. Yeah. And you're supposed to be having fun. Like that's the point. And you know, when I see people, I'm always, you know, I always ask them and I've sort of picked this up along the way from someone that said, do you have fun today? Like, that's the goal. It's not like, what'd you shoot? You know, cause no one cares. No one. And, and, and I think, you know, if you can go out and look, I'm not going to say like, I haven't gone out and made, you know, worked on my swing and then couldn't hit the ball and was, you know, depressed about it. Like that's <laughs> definitely happened, you know? And I think that's sort of half of the allure in golf. It's like the, the joy and the misery of golf. Right. And it's, it's an oscillating sort of you know, experience in that way. A lot of times, like in, in a round, like we were playing today and you're kind of like, you know, should I keep playing golf? I don't know if I should keep playing golf. Like, am I wasting my time? Then you, you, then you birdied a hole and you're like, this, you know, I'm, I'm back. This is great. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm into like, you know, we bet five bucks, you know, five bucks on the front, five bucks on the back and five bucks on the match. And like, for me, that's, that's fun. And there's a little bit of stakes, but it doesn't it's not going to kill you you know do you have a uh do you have a golf quote that kind of uh, you borrowed the bobby jones one i mean you must have a lot in your head but do some i actually don't have any in my head not do, do not some really. nothing rings true to you in, in a sort of how to define the game mm, you know I, I don't know i i don't i think it's i think it's a lot of people really look at this macro view of golf to me that seems pretty strange and i i think it's like I just, I don't want to keep coming back to this, but I think it's like whatever defines it for you. Uh, if that's like getting outside, if, you know, if it's just swinging a metal implement, you know, and that makes you happy like that to me, like that's it. You know, there's a lot of people that are focused on like grow the game and why, you know, like the same people that are like grow the game are always like, why are there so many people on this golf course? Right. <laughs> you know, I feel like those two things like go hand in hand. So I don't know. Like to me, it's like, make it what you want it to be. Well, you know what's funny about the Grow the Game initiatives and things like that is that most of the time those uh, mouthpieces are companies that are not making as much money as they were when Tiger was building, when he was growing. And then they were like, oh, wow, we are going to be this rich in 2020. (laughs) And now they're not. And they're like... Yeah. And, you know, I mean... the the part of grow the game that I do like is let's like let's take care of the little course in the neighborhood yeah. that could close and sadly become condos like that you can't you can't revert that um, you'll never turn that around so so taking care of those places but on some level that's a governmental objective right that's not re- like can the community do that maybe but ultimately that just comes down to do you have three hundred million dollars I mean go ahead you're gonna say something. Oh no, I th- I think it's I think if you go to Scotland, not not to be snobby about that, but like you go to the UK, you play in Scotland or Ireland or you see that there's this community aspect. It's a different there's a different perspective on golf than there is in America, I think. And it's this community thing. There's like, you know, there's family putting greens and you see like, you know, you see older older guys and kids and your grandma and everyone's out there on the putting green and it's like community thing and it's no you know that's just like an everyday thing and there's a lot of community courses and i think everyone supports it and it's it's more of an open space and it's you have access to all the private clubs too on certain days which i think is cool it's like much more sort of open thing and here it's like the there the differences between a lot of 
really high end and a lot of like municipal golf courses are so striking that it's it's sort of unpalatable in a lot of ways to even play you know like go to certain munis and and you just you know it can be just atrocious but it sort some places you know municipal golf course is incredible um you know and you find a lot of that in america but yeah i think like in that sense like it, it would be great to bring more people into the into the game and i think it's like good for your mental health honestly if you if you're like you live your life you have no hobby you know and you can't you nothing to sort of focus on it i think it's that's sort of challenging from like a happiness yeah. standpoint right and i think like more people should get into golf because it's good for you know good for that happiness quotient in your life it's good to sort of be obsessed with something that's healthy like golf right yeah well it also teaches you uh you know to deal with frustration i feel like you know because that I I have found through observing others that in some ways the worst golfer to play with is the one that can't deal with bad breaks. Yeah, and is constantly trying to explain to the group why that result is you know to happened, and it's like it's really taught me to just be like, all right, Eric, just like shut up. No one cares about your ball, and why don't you just be as happy and inquisitive about the world that we're all in together as opposed to just like spotlighting my game for the th foursome. It's like, no one cares. Yeah. That's a good, I mean, that's a good, that's a good thought though, that people like aren't paying attention to you. No. You know, when I, so I played a little bit of golf when I was young, got back into golf in my thirties. Right. And sort of at the exposure to a lot of golf from my father-in-law, when I got married, um, my wife's dad's like super into golf and he would take me out and, and that's sort of like how I got back into it. And I was so bad in the beginning and he was, he was just so cool and gracious about all of it. And there's a lot of situations where I'd be at like some fancy club that he's a member of. And, you know, I literally can't play golf and it's embarrassing, you know, and he was like totally cool. And, and, and it made me, and he was like, look, you know, you're, no one cares like what you're doing. Like no one's thinking about you. Like they're all, everyone's just out here like thinking about their own swing or thinking about what they did on the last hole and don't worry about it, you know? And that's like a good thought to carry through with. I think if, if I was going to say to, you know, to anyone like that's getting into golf, I would just say, here's the only rule. Just, you know, you have to like have respect for everyone in the group and the place you're at and whatever. Right. But, the, the only real thing to think about is like, just play fast and no one will care if you're just fast. If you just pick up your ball at a certain point or just, you don't fuck around with like hitting your shot, you just hit your shot. Then every, it'll be fine. And like everyone will enjoy playing with you. Well, yeah. And fast is so important that I would rather play someone with who's bad and fast yeah. than who's good and slow. Yeah. Like good and slow. I'd be like, I don't care. I just, I... yeah. Cause you don't care like what anyone's shooting. No. And it's all relative too. Like you could play with any tour player and they might put the ball on the wrong side of the hole. Like, like if it's, if it's sloping left to right, they may put it on the upper left and it's like, they got a down a putt. They'll be upset about that. Meanwhile, you're just like, Whoa, nice shot. One ninety five, And you put it like to 10 feet yeah. and they're like, no, I'm on, the, I'm on the left side. I want to be on the right side. And so we don't see that stuff. It's not like tennis where like you can't play with, if you're a four, like you can't play with someone that's a two, you know, like you just right. can't. And in golf, like anyone can play with anyone. If you're fast, you know, that was like always my goal with playing golf was just get to the point where I can go out to any place, play with any group and just not embarrass myself. You know, it's like get the ball and play, move along and that's it, you know? And I think that's a nice thing about golf. It's like you could play with, 
you know, I could, I played in over the holidays. Like I played with my mother-in-law and like we went out and we, you know, we, as a twosome, we can play together. It's no problem, you know? So that's the cool thing about golf. We, uh, Michael has some exciting news for those of you listening who want, uh, to solve the problem in their life of not really knowing where to acquire and source the golf uh, outerwear in their life. I mean, I, I have this problem, right? I mean, I, I see it constantly. Apparently, a Google search that comes up when you type my name is where it's, it's if you type in my name, Eric Anders Lang, it will autofill to where does Eric Anders Lang get his pants? <laughs> I don't know this for sure. I haven't tried it yet. Inquiring minds want to know. I was told. You've done the search, but you haven't clicked on the, on the results. You're I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Where but, do you get your pants, Eric? I get them from three places. Okay, I, well, I get them from lots of places. How long did it take you to figure out where to get your pants from? Very long. I mean, you, it's. I only found out, really. The final uh, link in the chamber was just a few months ago, and that was Rata. So I do Rata, Polo. JL, and I might add Red Vanley, but these are there's two small brands, two big brands, mm-hmm. and ultimately with most of those companies, there needs to be some tailoring involved, depending on whether or not you're a 31 or a 32, however yeah. they fit you. But I love spending time around that. My closet has now moved into my former office, and that is a bonkers. It's too many clothes in there. But given given that this is a problem that I've struggled with. I'm excited to hear what you're about to tell us all about how you could solve these problems for people. Yeah. You know, I think everyone sort of has this problem. And if you play golf or, and you're into, you're at all evolved or particular about what you're wearing, right? I think it becomes a little tricky. Um, golf, if you look at the, where people get a lot of their golf clothes and just like the, the landscape, it's, it's kind of unique in the sense that there's like pro shops and country clubs, and then there's big box retailers and there's not much in between. So there's not like sort of any specialty stores or mom and pops or like any layer that's even like a luxury layer that's selling golf clothes. So it's, it's sort of particular. And I feel like a lot of people that are running the golf clothing universe are probably drawn to the business for golf reasons, maybe more than clothing reasons. Right. Or they're like, or they're like a a head pro at a club and you know, they're sort of there because they want, you know, they love the instruction in the game and they're maybe not as passionate about the retail and no, I'm not picking on anyone. It's just sort of like, that's the landscape. And I know a lot of people that are into clothes cause I sort of come from this like menswear background and everyone I know it's like, they're always like, where should I get a polo shirt? What, wh- who should I, what brand should I sport? Like it took you a long time to figure out like what pants that suit you and fit you well and you like to wear and you feel good in. And I think like if you, buy clothes and feel good in them you'll you'll be more comfortable you'll probably play better but you, you it'll just it'll rep, you, you'll just have more fun and like that's sort of the goal so i've been working on this e-commerce thing around golf clothing basically working with brands helping working with a brand and maybe that isn't in the golf space and and is respected in the menswear world and having them do some clothes that uh work well in golf and look good and are cool and and my whole philosophy is, and part of it, I, I kind of laugh because like half of the time I'm like dressing to play golf and sneaking out of my house. So my wife doesn't think I'm going to play golf. Um, so like a lot of times I'm like, <laughs> can I just wear normal clothes to play golf? Like, and I, I, I just feel like you, 
most times in most climates in most places like you don't need uh you don't need special clothes to play golf right ideally and i agree with you but like i said now it's it's changed for me like a lot of times i will wear a golf shirt on a wednesday which i would never have worn before but i'm big into the performance fabrics you were saying earlier that it doesn't need to be performance fabric i personally like if you're in cabo and it's hot like you need moisture wicking like you need something that's not going to like hold sweat on you like absolutely a lot of places like you don't always need it but a little moisture wicking a little bit of stretch like that works i don't think it needs to be like performance like i'm doing cardio (laughs) Right, right i just think like that's a little that's a little extreme and i think like a lot of big athletic companies have sort of seen golf as like an area to sell more athletic stuff and so they've sort of remade it in this way of being more athletic so what i'm really trying to do is i'm going to launch this acl golf e-commerce it's it's going to be more focused on sort of you're fitting into a more like menswear lifestyle space there's elements of golf um a lot of this stuff would work for if you're traveling if you're you want to yes. go out to dinner, like it's like your regular life, like you shouldn't need special clothes to wear golf. That's like sort of my thought. Um, maybe you need special shoes, but you didn't wear them today. Today you had boat shoes with a Vibram sole. <laughs> yeah. Is that true? Yeah, I'm I'm wearing these like you you'd be surprised what you can wear to play golf in. Um, but I'm wearing these like basically camp mock like made in USA Rancourt shoes that they put a special like sort of golf outsole on and it's fine and they look like boat shoes i could literally wear them on the plane wear them out to dinner wear them to play golf wear them home and that's it bring one pair of shoes it would work i love that i have a pair of boat shoes over there sabago white white boat white i got them in australia what what um what are my favorite things to do while traveling well first of all follow acl golf to be up to to stay abreast of this info yeah. True. A- yeah. At ACL Golf. And I'll be launching this in 2020 at some point. So. Great. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. And I will as well let you know if you missed that. Um, Please do. Travel for me, one of my favorite opportunities to travel during travel is I like buying clothes on the road. Um, I like the I, there's a couple reasons why I like it. I like that it's a memory of a place that's mm-hmm. not like a shirt that says Japan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and it's also a local thing. Like, like, like it's almost more local than going to any tourist spot. But you see, but it's also a cultural thing too. It's like it seems to really just fit all of these things. It's a it's a memento and a keepsake. It's an experience. It's it's a way of rewarding myself for working hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely has this kind of, um, it's almost like, it's almost like the more expensive something is, it's almost like, um, there, there's a game there in sort of like, how much am I willing to spend on this? And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about all of these things. And, and do you, do you experience the same thing? You must. Yeah. I mean, I think when you travel, you know, LA has a lot of shopping, right? It's like there's a lot of great retail in LA. I ne- almost never go to buy a clothing store or buy much clothes, you know, many clothes in LA. I think when you travel, like your eyes are open to, you're sort of like taking everything in. You're you're sort of more receptive to what's going on around you and maybe to the retail. And you're, you're maybe like in that sense more inspired, right? And so, I mean, especially if you go to Japan, Japan is like the best retail city just in, in period, the, right? In the universe. How, yeah. Why do you think that is? Just the Japanese like attention to detail is so incredible. And I think I don't mean this in a bad way, but and I, 
I think Japanese people tend to sort of replicate brands better than they sort of create their own in a lot of ways. Like they'll take something that's French and they'll make it 10 times better, you know, or they'll take denim and they'll do like this super American denim, but in a, in a way that's so far beyond and so much better than anything happening in the U S you know? And I think like they do that, like they sort of take innovate and improve. And, and so you get these like amazing, and it's just like a really robust market. Like they spend a lot of money on clothes. Um, so it's like this, the retail there is amazing. And every time I go, I'm always like, you know, trying to limit how much stuff I buy because it, you know, you do, it's like you, you get inspired when you go there. One of my best videos on our YouTube channel, I checked the other night is, uh, Tokyo has the best golf shops. And, um, you know, it is really interesting how they continuously, uh, just, just hit that hard hit the, uh, you know, style, the opportunities to, I don't know, accessorize or whatever it is. Um, it, but across every part of that, you know, um, they're super into it. I, I actually think like there's some amazing, I think there's a couple new ones. Like there's that place clubhouse supply. There's a little shop in Daikinyama called Daikinyama golf club. There's, and then there's like the big equipment clubs and like super high end stuff you see a lot of Japanese golf clothes. Like if you went to like Ginza six, like that big department store and you saw like the beams golf stuff, you'd be like, some of this stuff is just insane. It's, like you could never wear it. It's not <laughs> like, it's like, it's like clown town. Like you would just, you know, it's like, it's just nuts, but it it's impossible. kind of, they're like, it's a local thing, right? Totally so, normal for them. Yeah. It makes sense. That's the interesting thing about, I would say, you know, the difference between golf in the UK and America is pretty different, but the difference between golf in Japan and Korea compared with the rest of the world is almost, is almost polar. Yeah. Um, we were talking about that earlier, like golf in Japan and it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. There's like so many, it's just so different. I mean the two tea times thing, right. And the mandatory lunch yeah. is insane. Like you literally just can't have a family or you just have to hate your family to play <laughs> golf. It's such a challenge. It's like you go at seven in the morning and you come home at seven at night. Like it's nuts. I don't know if I will. I don't know when I'll play golf there next. What's on your list of like thing of places. You're, you seem like you visited a lot of countries. You seem like you've had your share of traveling. You're traveling a lot nowadays. Yeah. I travel a lot for work. We, you know, now we have a, a little daughter and we're having another baby at some point. We might have the baby by the time this is out, right? Um, Don't know yet. Yeah, never know. Unspecified um, release date. When you're hearing this, it's out. That's a guarantee. <laughs> That's the only thing I can guarantee. Um, you know, so I don't travel as much as I used to, but I've traveled a lot. And it's nice that I've done, before I got married, I traveled so much and it was just like a big part of my life professionally. And and just something I was interested in personally. So I feel like I don't need to, I haven't traveled as much as you and I haven't been to probably a lot of the places that you've been to, but I've traveled a lot and I feel like I've sort of done that. You're hitting point. cities hard. You're hitting I mean, I London, go to like, London, yeah, yeah. London. And you're up a lot of time in Italy. Europe, go to Asia. I've been to, I've been to Japan a lot. Um, I spent a lot of time there. I'm like super inspired by Japan. I've Where had do you a, stay in Japan? What hotel do you stay in? It depends on who's paying. Bam. Um, Park Hyatt. If it's someone else, I'd say the Amon Ooh, yeah. in Tokyo is the nicest hotel in Tokyo. Tokyo Station. And, That's and, lit. and it's just so beautiful. 
Um, That's seven stars, I believe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. There's many stars. And the <laughs> lobby is, and even if you can't stay there, like go to the lobby, have a drink. The, lo- the ceiling in the lobby is about 5,000 feet tall. Yeah, it's like doesn't seem real. <laughs> that place is amazing. But I actually think even the inexpensive hotels in Japan are awesome. And there's a couple, like I'll stay uh, at a place. Well, Cerulean Tower in Shibuya is the place where like all the american fashion people go to okay and behind cerulean towers like where all the tennis shops are tennis all the tennis stores in japan actually like tennis stuff in japan is like that is next level (laughs) they have like hitting bays for tennis rackets so you can go and like test all the rackets i've like never seen that in america interesting um they like go crazy about that stuff well now that you think about it why wouldn't you have that in america yeah, I, I don't think people care in America. They're just like, whatever. They just want the, the internet, you know? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but so I stay there, and then I stay at this place called Hotel Excel, which is also in Shibuya. That's like if inexpensive. That place is like super clean and friendly and like kind of business hotel. Um, and then Muji has a hotel. No way. Yeah, Muji has a really nice. Muji is like uh, the gap of uh, Japan, maybe cooler gap. Yeah, it's Muji is kind of like the it's the principle of like this uh, well-made non-branded essentials. Yeah, like that's sort of like the vibe. Come to think of it, I don't know why I don't have a Muji suitcase. Yeah, we were we were talking about yeah. just the general benefits of Muji. It must be a well-priced. Yeah, I, I think they're must be well-priced. It's a very sensible place. I have Muji pajamas. <laughs> I do. I don't know that I wanted to know what pajamas you have, <laughs> but I'm glad that I are you know. into pajamas. I could see you as a pajama guy. I mean, there's a place in sort of like very central Milan. I'm I'm not really a little bit. There's a place in central Milan, which I don't know the exact name of. Um, it's sort of like next door to this famous sort of restaurant called Peck. And um, they make like custom. You can pick your fabric and they make you like custom pajamas and they're not expensive. And it's pretty amazing. You can like choose all the details and yeah. Not specifically, but in general, this is a very, this is a challenging question here. Um, This is not specific to your wardrobe or your closet, but in general for a man, what is your favorite item of clothing? Uh, Sport coat. Sport coat. Blazer. I think it's the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. Blazer, sports jacket. Uh, It's sort of like the, the piece of clothing that will do the most for a guy in terms of like camouflage, making you look smart, uh, sort of tying everything together, like conveying that you have a sense of personal style. You know, I, I think I, it's like anything else. Like now style, men's style has become like a little bit of like a, it's like a hobby for p- certain people, right? Where it's like, what are you into? I'm into clothes. And it's like, oh, cool. Like whatever, you know, maybe some people don't think that's frivolous or whatever. But um, I think if you're, if you dress a certain way, it projects something about who you are as a person, right? It's not meant to be, it's, it's a positive thing. Like it just says like, you know, Eric dresses really well. He cares about the the look or image or his, the version of himself that he projects, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think that that's a very natural and positive thing for people to have. Like if you're, you dress well, it's, it only benefits you in positive ways. Yeah. There's no drawbacks to that. But a good sport coat, like that'll, you know, that that can carry a lot, right? So I'll see you at the PGA show. Will you wear a sport coat there? No, I I generally, I, no, probably not. I, I think if there's like an expectation of like, 
A lot of people at the PGA show, which is interesting, wear either like clothes, like they're on their way to play golf. <laughs> it's it's like at a golf tournament when people wear golf clothes. I just don't understand why. It is why. strange. Like I understand maybe you wear golf shoes because it gets muddy or it's maybe. slippery. But even that kind of bugs me. It's very weird. Soft spike golf shoes I'm okay with to the tournament. But not, I get it. Not everybody has multiple pairs of golf shoes. That's yeah. A, but, but yes, the golf outfit is strange. Like you see, you go to... Uh, tour event and like people have ball markers on their hat like it's like <laughs> as if at any moment someone's going to get drafted into you know teeing off but you see a lot of that at the pga show it's like half people in suits and half people wearing golf clothes right so i i'll be just wearing what i normally wear i wear like a lot of like workwear and denim and you yeah know, i'm into like patagonia know, patagonia outdoor wear yeah like button down shirts and from you know like classic sort of american Regardless of the city or the business opportunity that exists within a state, what is your favorite state in America? I feel like I maybe have the answer to this. I well, I'm gonna no. I think, I think it's Maine. Oh, did you, you hear me? You, yeah, you said Maine. I think California is my favorite state. Really, it still holds. Uh, I think the traffic is, you know, to be the cliche, like the weather is great, the traffic is terrible. Like that, <laughs> that's, it's very true to itself in in those senses. There's just so much diversity in terms of like, go to Yosemite, go to the desert, go to, yeah. you know, it's all year round. The light is so beautiful. There's just like a lot to like about it. Um, I think as a place, Maine is really, really special to me. Like I just love going up there. Um, every, when I lived in New York, like I would go for a couple weeks in the summer and it was like, that's just, it's very chill. It's its own sort of vibe. People are super friendly in a way. Like, I think it's like a, like a bygone version of America. Like you see this sort of America that doesn't exist. This like quaint mom and pop main street America that maybe doesn't, you don't see much anymore. Yeah. And I, I really like that about it and the food's good and. I mean, it's very beautiful. There's more coastline in Maine than like all of the East Coast, basically. Really? Like if you figure out, I'm, I mean, someone might Google this and I might be wrong, but there's just so much, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Um, but there's just so many like little like inlets and there's just so much coastline there. Yeah. Right. Um, what's the uh, what's the next last question? The next um, goal for you in golf in your personal golf game? Do you have a goal that you're working towards? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's good to have goals, right? And I think, like, there's always, like, my index is this, and I'd like to be this. And I don't really think I'm at the place in my life to be, like, I'm going to be a two, you know? I just, I like, I'm sort of trending the opposite direction in terms of, like, where my personal life and family is going and everything. But, um, you know, I don't really, like, it's nice to be able to, like, get out and play to some degree. Like, I don't really have a specific goal in terms of, like, what I want to do uh, with the game. I feel like the goal that I've had, which is like just be able to go play with anyone and play anywhere kind of is like the thing that I, you know, like want to just maintain and, and I don't really need to take it that much further. I, I think like I'm marginally enjoyable to play golf with because I'm like, yeah, it's, I'm happy to be here and like having fun and that's enough. You, I would just say out of our six, you, you almost seem like you were having the most fun. <laughs> Did no, I really? Is yeah, that true? Yeah. Well, and you just, you're very, you're very, uh, you, you have a um, one of the things you have that I, 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 I have one person in my life as well who has it to a T and I actually would like I think about them a lot and I would 
And we're back. Sorry, the battery died. Um, and I think about them a lot is the last thing I was saying. We, the whole time I was putting the batteries in the recorder, I was like trying not to get distracted so I can remember exactly where we were. Um, is the ability to... Uh, I feel like it comes from a person who spends a lot of time at cocktail parties. <laughs> and it's this ability to uh, talk about something that's not totally um, obvious and boring or something, but also not go like too far down the line of a conversation that it's just not sustainable. There's not enough time, especially with golf. There's not like you're yeah, going to get interrupted every four minutes. Yeah. So it's this type of conversation that's like interesting and topical and like, you know, it, it's it, anyway, do, do you know that about yourself or is that, am I telling you something you don't know? You know, I'm like during the week sort of professionally, I've had this, I've had like a lot of time to like try to make, small talk with people like it's a big part of like what I've done in my work life and I think like that that sort of like carry you know it takes a lot of effort for me to be honest like I'm very like outgoing and social during the week but then like on the weekend I literally can't be around anyone and I just like need to not make small talk and I and I'm I'm sort of weird about small talk in a certain way but like I really want to talk like if I'm with you Eric like I want to talk about deep things right like I want to talk about real stuff like I don't really want to talk about surface things but if you're playing golf like it's the great another great thing about it is like if you go play golf with someone it's not like having a coffee with them you spend a long time with them like and you get to see sort of how they handle adversity how they handle success you know just generally like how they treat people like how much integrity they have like oh you see so much like in a four-hour window right it's like the perfect interview or perfect like moment with someone and i think like if you can you know if you can sort of like push that along like it's nice of you to say that like i i'm not I never really thought of myself as like this, you know, good at making small talk or good conversationalist in that way. But it's nice if you can sort of, I think if you ask people questions and you're generally curious, like I am, and I think that's like a big trait of mine, then people like it. Like people want it, you know, if you ask people about themselves, like generally, like I think they're going to like, you know, like talking to you. Um, But I think like golf's nice because you have these little moments. You don't need to carry a conversation for you know, even though you're together for a long time, you don't need to have this two hour conversation. Um, and you can sort of have these like little moments and interludes and it's pretty cool. Um, but I, I like that. Like you can get a real sense of someone by going out and doing it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's actually, it's very interesting to the, the degree to which you can see how much you would either want or not want to spend time with them again. You yeah, know, yeah. That'd actually be a good little game show. And you know, they have the, 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 the remember um, um, love connection, yeah, yeah, with with Chuck Woolery. If you're young, you don't remember the show, but it was <laughs> basically like you could pick a date with someone, and then you could choose to go on another date. It'd be funny if there was like a golf thing where do you want to play another round with this guy? <laughs> depends. Maybe it depends on where we're playing. Right? <laughs> well, that's actually the funny thing. You know, have you had this one? Yeah, I wouldn't play golf with them if they weren't a member here. <laughs> like that's a tough one. And I've luckily I've moved out of it. Now it's like I don't care where where you play. But there's we talked about didn't weren't we talking about this where um your level of wealth can determine your personality. We didn't talk about this. That maybe it was with uh um it was with someone else today or yesterday. The days are blurring together down here. Yeah, but as as it happens in Mexico. Yeah, it's like blame it on Mexico. <laughs> there's uh there's some level of wealth where when you hit the number, you stop caring 
about anything, right? I, you're, you're willing to be probably, completely direct. Or you care more about everything. In, you know, you become even more competitive. I, I think it depends on your personality. No, no. It's a, I think it's about perception, though. You, you stop caring about what people think of you. Oh, yeah. Like, like it's almost like you become more Larry David. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, we did talk about this earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Like, would Larry was Larry David the way he was now before Seinfeld? Probably not. Because he then had to be nice because otherwise he'd be ostracized. But now he's so successful. He's so creative. He's, he's solidified in his genre that no one can just write him off. No, it's true. What do you think Larry David thinks when he has to go play golf with someone? You know, like, does he think like he needs to entertain them and be Larry David? Oh, I doubt you. I, yeah, no, I, that's a really good point. I bet he's just totally himself. Yeah, probably. He seems like he's, I don't, to me, like, I think he's probably always been the way he is. You yeah. Know? Well, it seems like he does a very good job of, uh, I've only really, I've, I've actually met him. And you know what he did to me? No, what? Is this documented? Uh, not on video or the film. It was late at night. And he, we were at a party. We were at a cocktail party. This is, you're going to laugh. <laughs> he comes up to me and he says, we're, we're talking in a group. And he says, that's a nice coat. And I was wearing a shacket at the time. <laughs> and it was, so it was a jacket and a shirt, shirt mixed jacket, in one yeah. shirt jacket. And um, just, just un, no, no formal request made, reached around, grabbed the back of the shacket, uh, you know, so that he could see the brand. And just pulled it over my, so I'm so yanking on my shirt like he's my dad or something, yanking on it, and reveals the brand. Says, That's really nice. You like it? And I was like, yeah, I like it. And he's like, that's nice. And I was like, um, follow-up question. I loved your five stages of golf article that you wrote in The New Yorker. And he was like, oh, you like that? You play golf? Thanks. All right, good night. <laughs> and that was it. I'm mostly here for the shacket info. Yeah. <laughs> and then he left. But so I don't know. I mean, I went, I, we, were, we were you know, talking about existing in, in the social world, which golf is, and, and you, know, you spend a lot of time. It's a, I feel like there is also like a, settled, a set of sort of characteristics of, of being a gentleman that have to do with how do you, how do you treat a social space and how do you create. Because like you said, I hate small talk. I really, really hate it. But I know that I have to be okay at it. On some level. Mm -hmm. And and the truth is, when we do a random golf club event, I'm fine and very easy for me. Because I can just go up to anybody and say anything, and more or less, a question will suffice for that conversation. You know, but I think the things that I don't like talking about are, you know, well, one of the things I don't like, actually, sadly, is I don't like telling a non-golfer about golf. Yeah, like, explain why you like it. But you do like, if you realize someone's into golf it sort of informs the rest of the conversation. Like you meet someone on a plane, you're talking and then you realize like, Oh, I'm into golf. He's into golf. Like it becomes really easy to talk to them at that point. And then one of the conversations we might get into that I hate is, Oh, where do you like to play golf? I hate that talk. Yeah. That happens a lot. Like, Oh, you live in LA. Where do you play golf? Yeah. I don't care. You know, or like <laughs> wherever or like, I can, <laughs> you know, like, like I, that's a conversation that to me, the, it, where do you play golf is almost more aggressive than what's your salary. <laughs> it's a tough it's a tough if you're not if you're not like one of the privileged few in the good clubs or any club i think it becomes a challenge and it's but i think a lot of it is not from a mean-spirited place it's right. it's mostly like do you are you a member at wherever so do you know xyz because that's who i know in la yeah you know? i love that course i love that whole you're right but i think the small talk is tough because it's like we don't you don't 
it's like uncomfortable in a way and you kind of have to like gear yourself up to have that, you know, force that a little bit and it, and it becomes a challenge. But, you know, I think it's also about, you know, I don't know, it depends on what you're doing and where you're at, but you know, it can make people, it can be disarming in a lot of ways. You know, if you really like take an interest in someone and sort of fight through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like we have, you know, I was talking about going to Pittsburgh. We should talk about the hat thing too. We never talked about it. Like the dishwasher thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's like kind of, it was a funny moment. Just before we pressed record on the podcast. Well, first we'll do Pittsburgh and then we went to Oakmont. This very gracious member hosted us and like spent the whole day with us. We had beers after and just like, you know, he was just like so nice and, and really like engaged, make sure we have a good time and telling us the history, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was like a really, really nice experience. Had lunch, blah, blah, blah. And, and I was thinking like, you know, this guy doesn't really know us, you know, and it's, it's just so gracious for him to take the time to do this. And, and I'm sure he's like proud to show off Oakmont and it's like a great reflection on the club and the place, but you know, it like means a lot and he didn't need to do that. You know, he doesn't really know us. So, you know, to me, a lot of times it's like, think about all the times that you've benefited from people and their graciousness and their time. And you, you kind of have to like, if you've accepted that, like you have to put that back into the universe by, uh, by, by what? By showing that in kind or being, you know, it's like taking the time to spend with someone or talking to someone or, you know, being interested in people and, or taking them out to play or whatever, you know, inviting them to random golf club. I like that idea. No, that's cool because that's saying that's we don't even quite realize how often that's probably happened to us. We because we don't I don't think a lot of times we keep track of it. Yeah, you kind of just like I, I so I made a list of like all the people that hosted me and and it's like, can I send them something, you know, just something little, you know, even just to say like actually like this made a big this was a big moment in my year last year. And thank you. You know, that's it's cool. Like, it's like a nice little, you know, because they don't have to do that. No. I mean, um, it's better when it's Oakmont, right? But Oakmont helps. Yeah. Oakmont's very iconic. Okay, so here's my hat thing, right? Yeah. So I only buy white hats just because it, you know, I'm in California a lot, so it's like sw- you sweaty, you get the little line on your hat or whatever. With with, with a darker color. Yeah, like oh, if yeah. you have a blue hat, you could get like a little ring of sweat on it, and then yeah. it's like, to me, I don't know. It's done. Yeah. So I only buy white hats. I basically like, then they get, you know, they'll get dirty or whatever, so I'll soak them in a bucket with OxyClean for like 12 hours. And, wow. then, and then I'll put them in the dishwasher and just run the whole dishwasher just w- without dishes, but with just hats. And then they come out super, super clean. And it's like the easiest thing in the world and low impact to the hats. So that's how you can clean your hats. The, the re- this, is, this was the point. Michael and I have been trying to do a podcast for a long time, more than a year. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if I, I was waiting for the invite for a year. No, no. I, I invited you and your <laughs> first thought was, your first said, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to do that or I don't well, know. Well, I always try to talk people out of talking to me, you know, <laughs> just, I spare you, give you the option to run away. It's very gracious. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, but we were still planning on doing it. I was still planning on doing it and, um, timing, whatever. And we only do it in person. And then so, we were having lunch outside and, we were kind of lazing about, but then when you told me the dishwasher hat trick, that's when I was like, we have to record the podcast now. That's too fascinating to let go. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a little like life hack that I did this thing when I had my blog that became really popular and it was about like washing your denim. Oh, and you know, there was like this whole thing about like good denim. People think like for it to wear in authentic, like beautiful way, you really shouldn't wash it. Put it in the freezer. 
They say that it doesn't really get cold enough in the freezer to oh. kill that bacteria. That's kind of bullshit. So what do you like do? Like washing them in the ocean is kind of bullshit. You can do that if that makes you happy, you know, but like it's not really going to solve the Dang. Ba- bacteria problem. I mean, I just wash my jeans inside out with like white dark and and in a commercial washer, like a home washer. Like that's for me, it doesn't really matter. But a lot of people like they wash their jeans in their sink. They just soak them inside out and then rinse them in the bathtub and whatever and let them hang dry. I mean, the worst thing for jeans is like the dryer. But so I like, you know, I've done a lot of stuff like that where I'm like, this is how you should wash your jeans. And so eventually I was like, you know, how do I wash my hats? Like, how does this happen? Right. You know, because I, I just I don't want to I don't want them to look gross. Anyway, we, so that's the only reason I mention it is because I'm into that sort of thing. What do you have the most of in far as far as clothing? Um, it's got to be shirts. No, no, I think it's, I think, well, with golf stuff, it's like, I always just buy a white hat. That's just kind of my Every thing. course. No, if it's like a good logo, I'll buy a white hat, yeah. you know? What's your favorite white hat you have so far? Your favorite um, logo? I mean, the Merriam logo is the best logo, right? One. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's a good question. It's, I, I hate having to pick one overall. Yeah, it's hard to choose. they're all a community. Yeah, that's a good question, though. I don't know, like the, I, I don't know, I have I have a lot, but there's there's a lot more bad logos in golf than good logos, so. That's a good quote right there. That could be a good tweet. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta, you know what we gotta do? When this, when the, uh, when this e Shop launches. When the shop launches, I wanna see your personal golf collection. Yeah, let's, let's do it. All right, we'll do yeah. a video. Cool, well, it was nice talking to you. Thanks Th- for having me. Thank you. Or do, anything else you wanna <laughs> That Are was, we done? I love how you ended the pod. That's oh, yeah. Do we want to keep going? I felt like it was going that way. <laughs> it really was, but uh, that's great. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for spending time with me. Thanks. <laughs>